James, do you know Zhenya Ogorodnikov? No. Zhenya Ogorodnikov. Ogor... Uh, no. Ogorodnikov. Because Zhenya tweeted at us, and Zhenya wants to know, Hey, QOD, seeing as how our ancestors have lived off the land for thousands of years, why is there severe hunger in parts of the world today? Excellent question, Zhenya. And I have, I have an answer. There's kind oh. of a technical answer. All right, let's have it. We got dominated by another species on the planet Earth. Which we, is? we always think we're the dogs? top of the food chain. Dogs, no. Dogs have been around humans for a million and a half years. First domesticated pet, um, which we've totally dominated, of course. But we humans are not at the top of the food chain. There is one other animal or species. Not an animal, species Can this be a guessing us. game? I'm dying to know what, but I don't want to know too soon. But this is the reason wait, why wait, 20 questions, hunger. 20 questions. All right. This is the reason it's why there's hunger. It's a species, technically? It's a species? Yeah. Um, is it a microbial species? No. Is it uh, smaller than humans? Mm, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. There's no way to figure it out. <laughs> Wheat domesticated humans. Well, it's interesting. So ten, around 10,000 BC yeah. or 10,000 years ago, around 8,000 BC, we, we humans basically created agriculture, little knowing that this was wheat's dominant plan to take over uh, the human race, the human species. And ever since then... Instead of wandering around the earth, being nomadic, getting nuts and fruits and vegetables and food wherever we can find it, we had to basically stay stationary where we were growing the wheat. And then we'd have to create villages and cities and kingdoms, and we'd have to fight to protect our land. We couldn't move anymore. So you're saying that without without agriculture, we'd be better off. That's your argument. There's even evidence that uh, human skulls were bigger before then. But is the bigger argument that without, you're saying that that (laughs) wheat, let me see if I got this right, wheat exerts its dominance over us, and therefore we are subservient to wheat, even yes. though we are allowed to travel, I just even say, though I, just say I am allowed to travel and leave my wheat field behind. Maybe you live in a, a county or parish or district where that's not the case. Well, well, think about it, though. How much of the grocery store is wheat-based? How many aisles? In a, in a 20-aisle grocery store, how many aisles are essentially almost all wheat products? Mm, not that many, but a few. But there's... <laughs> So that would also answer Genya's question that yes. that's why there's severe hunger. Because so you're lo- saying if we had remained hunter-gatherers, there would be many fewer of us, I assume you're saying. No, not necessarily. Our ancestors were probably aware of mile, a radius of miles around them where every bush was, where every plant was, where every vegetable, where every fruit, where the animals were that could potentially kill us. Now we're just focused on, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Where's my wheat? Yeah, where's my wheat? I just had two corn muffins. I came in here and I said, where's the muffins? That's it That was a choice. That, that was, was a choice. That was my choice. But there's another reason too, which is, of course, corruption in third world countries, government. So, we, so the U.S. blindly hands over billions of dollars in exchange for some favors. And then the, the governments of those countries put the money in Swiss bank accounts, and it doesn't translate into food for the masses. So those two things together. I, would, I, I, I can get fully on board your second answer. I'm going to go with both. <laughs> All right. So if I were answering Zhenya, I can't answer it as well as you just did with your the dominance of wheat argument. But I would say, yeah, that mostly – so so I, I do think that Zhenya's question does reflect a common – what I would call misunderstanding or misperception. So Zhenya asks, why is there severe hunger in parts of the world today? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I take no issue with the question. I take it back. There is severe hunger in parts of the world today, but famine or severe hunger – 
is not caused by the lack of food. There's, we grow and produce. So, but it's interesting because if you go back 100, 150, 200 years ago, it is true that all the smart money said there's no way that our technology of the day can produce enough food to feed, you know, even 1 billion people and certainly not 2 billion and no way 3 billion. And here we are at 7 billion and we definitely produce enough food to feed 7 billion people three meals a day, but there are a couple billion that don't get enough. And I would argue, as you as you hinted at, that the primary reason behind that is political dysfunction and corruption. Because, I mean, just take this country, look, we're the richest country in the history of the world by, by many measures. In this country, we throw away an estimated 40% of all the food that we buy. So that's food that gets all the way— that's just in my house. <laughs> well, probably more in your house. Probably more, yeah. But that's after we get all the way to the end of the food chain, after it's raised, harvested, marketed, packaged, and sold, and even that— we throw away so much. So here, we've got this huge, a huge abundance of food, including the fact that not only in the U.S., not only in Britain, not only in Canada, but in a lot of um, relatively wealthy countries where the biggest problem for poor people used to be malnutrition and undernourishment, now it's the opposite. I mean, if you had told somebody 100 years ago that obesity, overeating, and eating bad diet would be the central, one of the central self-caused health problems going, I don't know if anybody would have believed you. There just wasn't the food has gotten better, more abundant, cheaper, and more available in almost every dimension. So let's take the opposite question. What do you think is the cause of so much obesity in first world countries? I think that's a really easy answer. Hate to say. I'm not saying the solution to obesity is easy. I think the answer to that question is very easy. Food is awesome. We love to eat. It is remarkable that one of the things that our body needs regularly for fuel is also something that gives us such amazing pleasure. And the economics of agriculture and the economics of food production have radically, radically changed over the past hundred years. The economics, you know, agriculture, the Green Revolution, Norman Borlaug, he revolutionized the way that grains primarily are grown to yield more. So instead of a stalk of wheat being very high and having a little bit of stuff at the top that you could eat, they'd be much shorter. So they're more resistant to uh, wind. I uh, made them more drought and insect resistant as well, but also re-engineered them to to yield more. So I have per a question plant. about that. Does that make it genetically modified? Of course it does. We've been so, genetic so, This so, whole we've so, been genetically modifying everything since the beginning of humankind. So a when, strawberry is genetically modified. So you and I are genetically modified organisms. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't have the label though. We're like X-Men. <laughs> if only. Hey James and I need to put our heads together on this one. We'll be right back. Today's show is sponsored by Howl.fm, which is an awesome comedy podcast network likened to being the Netflix for podcasts, brought to you by the same people that bring you all of your favorite Earwolf shows, including my biased personal favorite question of the day. With Howl Premium, you get exclusive access to the entire archives of The Art of Wrestling with Colt Cabana. Discover or rediscover over 300 episodes of hilarious stories, special guest interviews, rare wrestling music, and more. And if you love Cole Cabana, Hal Premium also gives you access to Pro Wrestling Fringe, a miniseries from Cole Cabana that you won't find anywhere else. 
With Howl Premium, you also get exclusive access to over 150 hours of new Howl original miniseries and audio documentaries like The Complete Woman, which I guarantee you will probably be my favorite series, Finding the Funny with the Sklar Brothers, and Fruit. You also gain access to over 100 comedy albums, all the archives from WTF with Mark Maron, which I probably will listen to as well, and every episode of every Earwolf show such as Comedy Bang Bang and How Did This Get Made. Get access to all this exclusive content on your iPhone, your Android phone, and on the web for only $4.99 a month. And with the promo code QOD, you get a full month of free trial. To redeem your promo code, make sure you create your account on the web at howl.fm and enter QOD at checkout. That's H-O-W-L F-M and use the promo code QOD for a one-month free trial of Howl Premium. All right, so what's the solution then? If the cause of famine and hunger is, as we argue, primarily not agricultural, not technological, usually I would argue not economic either. In fact, I would argue that free markets have been fantastic for helping feed the world affordably. So if the primary impediments to uh, food, good food, nutrition, and so on, are some kind of corruption and or political dysfunction, what in your view are the uh, best solutions? I don't know. I have no. I have no idea. I think it's okay to say I don't know to this. I mean, obviously, it's a big problem. And uh... well, you hinted at something when you said, for instance, that the U.S. government likes to give billions of dollars to small countries that are somewhere between oligarchy and you know, faux democracy, and that those billions of dollars usually end up in one or two or four people's Swiss bank accounts. And there are trillions of dollars that are something like a nickel or a dime of every dollar are thought to be held in secret or, you know, uh, offshore I bank accounts. I did not you know, know that. Yeah, there's a forensic economist whose name I can't recall whom I've spoken to about this. It's a fascinating, you know, oh. issue. Uh, not all of that money is illegally gained, much of it is, but much of that money is illegally or, you know, unethically parked somewhere. And in many, many, many cases, that money belongs, you know, the money that's owned by one person belongs really to the 10 or 20 or 50 million people in the country where that one person uh, was running the show and was able to spirit it off. So if that's the root cause, you know, I know you're a big U.S. foreign policy buff. What would you? <laughs> all right. Take all numbered accounts in Switzerland. Okay. And if you can't, if 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 someone and have an amnesty day, mm-hmm. if you can't show, so the amnesty day includes taxes also. Okay. So if you can't sign up and say, hey, this is my numbered account. Yes, I didn't pay taxes on it, but just let me have it. I'm a legit guy. And for everybody else who doesn't either show up or they don't, um, or you can forensically track down that they got their money illegally, then uh, you just distribute it. Uh, I don't know, the food organization, actual aid organizations that could go on the ground and distribute food. That's interesting. And everybody else, like if it's a corporation <clears throat> hiding money or right. if it's um, third generation rich guy afraid to uh, repatriate their money and so they left it in Swiss bank accounts, just free tax day. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. I've been told, this is about a year ago, so a lot of things have changed in this realm since then that one of the advantages of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies or other even electronic currencies would be that you could 
essentially attach a kind of fingerprint or whatever you want to call it to each transaction. Correct. So one idea is that something like Bitcoin would be really great for distributing foreign aid because rather than a suitcase full of a billion dollars, that'd be a big suitcase, a million dollars in cash, that instead you have a blockchain whose ownership is traceable. So do you think there's any um, uh, value to that idea, truly? Absolutely, but you figure when there's corruption... They're going to figure their way around every technological solution. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I think the U.S. also could say, you know, the problem is, too, the U.S. is not the only player in, in the space. Like, if, if a corrupt leader doesn't want their money from the U.S., they can go to China. So that's what the U.S. is in I understand Canada is really doling it out these days. <laughs> Well, the U.S. is in competition with China <laughs> in terms of influencing And a little US bit Russia dollars. still, I would say. Guess how many U.S. dollars China has. In dollars? In yeah. U.S. dollars? That's an interesting question. Um, I'll just tell you. No, I, wa I want to guess. I like this kind of question. Because with no scale, like, I know it's more than $1. Uh, I'm going to say $2.4 trillion. I have no idea. <laughs> did you, did you just looked it up. I did, I, look, at my hands have been on All the... right, it's about $2 trillion. Really? All right. And guess how many dollars the U.S. has? Of U.S. dollars? The U.S. government. I'm guessing less than uh, somewhere in that same neighborhood? No, less than zero. U.S. is oh, in, well. in debt. <laughs> so so U.S. has to print money to pay down its debt. So China is a pretty strong force in terms of, you know, bribing um, dictators with U.S. dollars. So it's not so easy for the U.S. to just go in there and solve the problem. Now, you know what's another solution if uh, Zhenya Ogorodnikov is looking for compelling and realistic solutions to... And I apologize for not pronouncing her name. Sorry. Or his. I'm not sure. Zhenya, Zhenya? I feel like that's a woman. Another potential solution that I've spoken with some people about in the past is, um, you know, 3D food, uh, not 3D food, yeah, 3D printing of food, or basically oh. um, food printing. So basically, if... I want to start a food distribution effort in some place far away that's hard to get thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of food to. I could instead get thousands of ounces of uh, cartridges containing kind of nutritional dust to those places with a big printer, turn it into a kind of vending machine, add water, print out my um, steak-like substance, and feed a lot of people that way, which I think is... Uh, potentially a route for technology to fight a problem. I mean, when you talk about... Because right, that wouldn't have to keep or anything. Yeah, and it's just much, theoretically at least, much easier to manage, to handle. Again, rather than flying in a pallet of rice, you fly in a box with, um, you know, rice uh, toner in by, a cartridge. By the way, do you hear that noise? There's a chopper right outside this door waiting to take you to the White House. <laughs> you just solved world hunger. Congratulations. Barack Obama wants to speak to you. You're welcome very much. Listen to a clip from the next question of the day in just a moment. But first... On Ron and Beverly, we like to ask our guests the tough questions. Fine. How old were you when your parents got divorced? His brother's ways uh, and stuff. Like nine. Did yeah. you see them date other people? Did you walk in on them with other people? I, I never walked in. Okay. Thank <laughs> God. Are they remarried, God. each of them? No. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Were your breasts and her breasts the same size? When you saw a woman of that age without her clothes on, did you think, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be? Was, or I did was you only think, impressed. I didn't know there were any black people in Colorado. Is that true? Yeah, it's a decent amount. Can you imagine the muscle on muscle in the bedroom for the two of them? Like, okay. very acrobatic. Okay. 
Listen to Rana and Beverly today on EarWolfJud.com, Howl, or your favorite podcast app. Here's what we have lined up for the next episode of Question of the Day. James, someone wrote by email, I lost the name, sorry. This person wanted to know, how do I become more observant? I'll tell you an answer. Our, a guest host of ours told me outside of the context of this podcast. And I'm so confused. So AJ Jacobs AJ. told me something that he does to every become day. more observant. To become more Let's observant. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. <laughs>